Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What a great season of life it is in May and June right here. As people transition in and through the various gateways of life and education. My wife and I were driving from a Hauling's Head ham sandwich uh, just down uh, near St. Joe's Hospital. And I looked at Barb and we drove back through Old Town. I said, what in the world's going on here? And she goes, it's Chapman's graduation. And we've got graduation in our place. We've got kindergarten graduation. And those little people are ready to go. They're not as nervous as the eighth graders who will graduate. And the eighth graders kind of wonder what what happens as they head to high school. What's going to be for them? How the academics, what's the pecking order? What's going to happen? And the kids who go from seniors in high school to freshmen in college, some going across the states, almost all will have their value system and their faith challenged before them and their roots kind of shaken as to what they believe and who they are. But they've been trained. They have been uh, shown the gospel of Jesus Christ and hopefully hold that in their, in their hearts. The college people, they do their thing. All the things that brought security to them in their lives structure and bells and order and professors and teachers and notes and all of that stuff is kind of gone. And the biggest question for them is where am I going to work and how's that going to be and will I be successful and how will it work out and will I make enough money? Of course, their parents' question is when will you move out and when will you come off the payroll and when will this finally, when will the plug of money finally be put back into the family budget? I wonder about those things. This afternoon at 2 p.m., our young people, Jared included, will be confirming their faith in Jesus Christ. All of them have been baptized into Jesus, but now through a a course of study, they've learned about themselves, about their faith, about the lives. They had the scripture and the small catechism brought to bear in a culture that says there is no truth, in a culture that says you can believe what you want to believe. Our young people are saying, I believe and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. It's one of the best pieces of ministry that we have going on today because it's a gateway of responsibility for the students. And instead of looking at their parents saying, uh, I kind of believe what you believe, now the students are able to say, I believe this because I'm convinced of it. It's a gateway of responsibility to being a self-feeder in their faith and life and to hold their faith as their own. Very, very grateful to Pastor Nathan for the good work that he's done and to Mr. Jim Meyer, our DCE, the good work that he's done in recruiting and gathering, leading and trading our students. It's a special day. It's a day to believe the word of John 16 that the world has been overcome in Jesus. I love that text. The disciples are at a threshold. The disciples are at a gate. They're kind of trying to figure out what the next step is going to be. Jesus continues to say, oh, I'm here now, but I'm leaving. You know the way to the place where I'm going, Jesus says. Philip says, uh, Thomas says, you don't know the way. Jesus is showing them the way because Jesus is the way. Over and over again, he says, I am going to be leaving, but you will not be deserted. I'll be gone, but you're going to be great. 
Now the disciples are understanding what he says and trying to figure out what that looks like in their lives as their mentor, their master, their rabbi, their teacher, their savior, their Lord is preparing for the most difficult stretch of ministry that will cost him his life. So Jesus says these words, which are so encouraging, words that echo and ring throughout the generations of Christians. He gets to the end of John 16, and verse 33 is here. If you're going to cut a piece of the scriptures out from your bulletin this morning, this is a good one to cut out and put on your refrigerator or your vanity or your, don't put it on your rearview mirror. You get the idea. Put it somewhere you can see it and not be distracted, but somewhere where you see it and remember it. Jesus said, these words I have told you, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. Amazing, those words of Jesus. Knowing that he's going, amazing that in less than a week, he will be dead. How in the world, if the disciples had been tracking along, could they comprehend Jesus says he's going to die and rise again and, and, and then come back. It's kind of all cryptic and so senseless. It just doesn't reasonably stack up. Why not build his organization up? Why not build up his followers and garner some real power and authority? Put his stick in the eye of Pontius Pilate. Get after Caiaphas and the high priest. Gather for himself some power, some authority, put together an army and go out there and slap some people around for God. So far, he isn't overcoming much from kind of an objective point of view. The religion of that day was still you do for God and God does for you. It was filled with hypocrisy and abuse. Jesus had antagonized the religious leaders, but the scripture doesn't record for us that things went bonkers. No, the religious leaders kind of did their thing. Politically, things were rather ugly. And the Romans ruled with an iron hand and provided the peace of Rome, but they were still large and in charge. And if anything got out of hand, the Romans made it painfully clear who was in charge. That hadn't changed. The Romans ruled, and they were not about to give up their power. The politics was the same. How was Jesus going to overcome the world if he couldn't even overcome the Romans? And the culture? If we think our culture is a little bit gross, consider what was going on at the time of Jesus. The rampant sexualized sin. Culture was built around that. Cities like Ephesus were predicated on sexual sin to the pantheon of Roman gods. Temple worship and the immorality that went with it permeated the culture. Also, there was infanticide in the Roman Empire. They called it exposure where an unwanted child was basically left out into the elements to either make it or break it, mostly break it. Jesus was going to overcome the culture. He'd been doing his thing for years and things were basically the same. Jesus is so great and Jesus is so tough. Then why didn't he just snap his fingers and take it all away? It doesn't take much to link into our day and our time. If Jesus has overcome the world and he's had 2,000 years to bring so much change, then why don't we live in this kind of 
spiritual utopia where everything is just great and beautiful, where hummingbirds live in our backyard and things are grand and glorious and everyone has everything they need and everything is just wonderful. And we all sing Kumbaya over and over and over again. Why is there so much anxiety and fear? If Jesus is so great, then why isn't everything fixed? In our time, we struggle with the same issues regarding religion. Religion has been corrupted in so many ways. Religious hucksters are the thing of HBO comedy specials. Men who deceive people in the name of God get rich and infamous. I don't really need to illustrate the hypocrisy of that. We can close our eyes and envision all that's gone on with the hypocrisy and scandal in the last 30 years of our generation among the church and church leaders. And politics? Don't even get me started. Politics drive us nuts right now. If Jesus has overcome so much, then why is there such division? Why is there so much corruption? Why is the truth so elusive and the dishonesty when people speak lead to such anxiety? It's interesting to think about. Pilate was still in charge when Jesus was executed. And corrupt leaders have enriched themselves at the expense of their people for millennia. Who's going to overcome what? And the culture again, where to start? Where to end? Fundamental issues seemingly up for grabs. Things we used to hold on to seem slipped away between our fingers. And many seem to have a sense of anxiety, wondering how far the culture will go until it jumps off a cultural cliff. And then we look at our young people and we say, they are the ones going out into the world. What about them? And you wonder a little. In my Bible, those words of Jesus are in red letters. John heard Jesus say that. And so he wrote it down so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, have life in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, take heart. I have overcome the world. And interesting how that thought has, has kind of an expectational piece to it. He knew where he was going, and he knew what the result would be. He knew that he would be betray, that, that he would suffer and die, and that three days later he would rise again. And he knew and taught that in that process he would overcome and defeat the world, the broken, hemorrhaging world. And so as we get later into John's Gospel, 19, 20, and 21, all of that is described for us. He died, and in that death, he transformed humanity and delivered life and immortality to all who would confess Jesus with their mouths and believe in him with their hearts. They would be saved. Jesus Christ is Lord. Victorious Lord, Lord of all, Lord of heaven and Lord of earth. There's a victory in Jesus, and it started with a few people who made a difference, about 12 of them. Jesus himself radically transformed and overcame the do for God and God will do for you quid pro quo religion. By his death on the cross, he took away the effects 
the eternal effects of sin and death. He provided atonement. He brought peace with God through his death on the cross. He does for us. He takes our sin away. He removes our guilt. He covers our shame. Our young people will confess this this afternoon. They're not going to do works that somehow they'll... They, we, we, we present the confirmation class. We say, these are all the people who've worked their way to God. Rather, we say, these are the young people who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and received life and salvation in His name. We put the focus on what God has done for them. The blessing of the cross and the victory over the cross. The overcoming of Jesus to bring life and salvation to those young people who confess Him and to us who behold Him in faith as well. And so Jesus and His followers, having overcome the world in Christ, Jesus says, in me, having overcome the world, they went to the very ends of the earth with the gospel, like a tidal wave. Every place the good news was preached, people's lives were transformed. Sin and death was overcome in Jesus. Take heart. <laughs> Take heart and celebrate that peace of the love of Jesus for you and for me. In Christ, we are at peace with God and God is at peace with us. It's interesting to think how Jesus' followers also transformed politics. The understanding that the emperor was just a man eroded Roman domination. 350 some years from Jesus' death, Christianity superseded the Roman Empire. It took his people a while to kind of get going. But to think it started with one man in a backwater place and finally made its way to Rome, to Europe, to Southern California, to us this morning. The little movement that could became a powerful voice of the weak and the broken and brought with it throughout history political transformation. Godly rulers ended the slave trade. Godly rulers spoke of inalienable rights that couldn't be voted away or termed out. Godly rulers and godly citizens would end tyranny and oppression throughout the two millennia from the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus used his people to overcome politically, to transform politics and political systems, to be leaders in key movements in mankind's history, and to provide a godly voice that would be heard and would lead to selfless leadership and a blessing to all people. The idea of the dignity of all people and the inalienable rights that are yours by virtue of being created in the image of God and recreated through Jesus Christ, that's overcoming the politics of selfishness and deception. And the cultural issue really wasn't a part of the culture that Jesus hasn't affected by the church. The cultural peace, God has chosen to use us. He's chosen to use his church, his people, his people in the world. His church throughout the book of Acts wasn't only gathered on Sundays, but the church was the agent for good in the culture. In less than a hundred years from Jesus, the immorality of the temple worship was for the most part done away with. And those temples now stand as 
architectural marvels rather than houses of worship. In some cases, those temples were replaced with cathedrals. And in those cathedrals was preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And entire cultures were transformed away from sexual immorality to chastity and family. To the meaning that comes in raising kids and living life together. To an understanding that to live together is to repent, forgive. And to find connectedness person to person, life to life, faith to faith. God used his people like he uses us to transform the culture. So take heart. Even in that issue of life, Roman children were abandoned and exposed and the Christian community would gather them up. Ultimately, the good that Christians did in the name of Jesus in taking care of these children and the caring for widows throughout Jerusalem and, and, and every part of Asia Minor then and continuing even to this day, even in our congregation as the red carpet was rolled out for kinship families. The followers of Jesus support and brought life wherever they went. And the culture was transformed because the Christians brought the love of Jesus to bear on the communities in which they lived. So the thing to do, the homework is take heart. Take heart. I don't know about you, but when Jesus says take heart, I kind of stand up a little straighter. When Jesus says take heart, I kind of sit up in my chair and go, hey, if you got this, Lord, then I'm going to trust you for that and I'll be good to go. Take heart. He has, Jesus has overcome the world and his calling to his people is a calling of peace. And his people you and me today, we keep overcoming as we bring the love, the life, and the legacy of Jesus to a world that craves and is illuminated by the good news of Jesus. Take heart and believe the good news in the name of Jesus. Amen.